We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Put, 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 put! This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. What's up, Bears fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. The 53-man roster is set. Most of the practice squad is set. And the preseason is officially over as the march to week one for the Bears continues on. We are under two weeks away until week one on September 11th against the San Francisco 49ers. We're going to break down the latest moves. It was a busy day today on Wednesday for the Bears, not only on the practice field, but setting their 53-man roster with a bunch of moves, including their practice squad as well. I'm your host, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lumming. And Aaron... Like I said, man, it was kind of a crazy day <laughs> in terms of establishing the practice squad, claiming guys off of waivers, and, and moving on from others. Yeah, it. Um, I'm, I'm sure it was even more hectic for you guys at house all, all day today. I mean, dude, it was hectic for me just trying to keep up with, you know, everything that's been going on. Because what I like to do, and I know this is probably kind of psychotic, but I usually like to keep like a running, uh, like an off-season tracker, basically like when they cut guys and they sign guys, you know, any coaching moves, anything like that. Like I have like categories and stuff and I track that in the date just because it's, I feel like it's good to have reference sometimes of, you know, like what goes on when and all that stuff. So yeah, it was crazy because it's like, I think we all knew to a certain extent, like the bears are going to make some moves today. I basically set the over under at like three. I think I, you know, quote tweeted Greg Gabriel's tweet earlier and basically said something like, yeah, I would set the over under at three. Uh, I don't think anybody could have expected six moves, man. I mean, it was just crazy. It was like, you know, we, we saw the Alex Leatherwood thing. That was the first thing that broke. And it's like, that was a pretty, I don't know if I'd say big move, but it was definitely a surprising move. Anytime you have a, a first round or former first round pick that gets cut after year one, um, you know, obviously that's going to draw some attention. Plus it's guaranteed money because he was a first round pick. Um, so <clears throat> that was kind of interesting, but you know, obviously they had the other five moves and it was like, you know, Field Yates posted that they had, you know, they claimed six guys. And I'll be honest, the only one that I had heard of before all of this uh, was Armin Watts. Um, and I thought that was actually a really good move. 
So it's like you get those, and then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, then you're getting cuts, and then Tajay Sharp is going on IR, and the original thought process was that you know they were just going to put him on IR for four weeks, and then come to find out he's got some serious rib injury apparently, and he's gone for the year. So I think we still got some movement tomorrow because you're looking at a situation where the Bears currently have six receivers rostered i would have to assume even though it didn't happen today that Nikhil harry will end up going on ir for four weeks um but you know it's kind of one of those things where then you're down to five receivers and quite frankly none of these guys have been overly healthy lately so i would assume that a you know move is going to be coming at receiver and i guess the only good news is if they put harry on ir then that opens up a spot and then they got to fill the rest of the practice squad tomorrow. And they've got some interesting, you know, they got some interesting moves to make on the practice squad as well, because right now there are 14 guys. Uh, Kellen Dyche, I think is his, I think that's how you see his last name, uh, former Arizona state offensive tackle undrafted free agent. The bears are going to bring him onto the practice squad. It sounds like tomorrow. So you got 15 spots at a 16 and you just cut, you know, four guys, I guess, you know, te- well, I guess, no, I guess it was technically five, right? It was five, there were five cuts and then the IR move. So they, they're going to have some shuffling to do tomorrow. So I don't, I don't think we're anywhere near done. Um, and it's, it's definitely going to be interesting until things kind of level out next week. Yeah. And this obviously coming a day after the bears set their 53 man roster uh, on Tuesday. And I've never been a part of a team or covered a team here that has had this many waiver claims right away. And you look at it, I mean, going into today, there was just 22 players remaining from the Ryan Pace era that Ryan Poles inherited. He's kind of completely turned over this roster, you know, him and Matt Averfuss's way. They have their vision of how they're going to build it. And then you see today, they're, they're kind of aggressive. I think going after Alex Leatherwood, he's got $5.9 million guaranteed left on his deal. The Raiders paid the majority of his um, contract already. He's a former first-round pick. He really didn't pan out at tackle out there in Las Vegas. And now you give them to a guy like Chris Morgan, the offensive line. And, you know, can they work with them? Can they turn him into what he should be? Because I want, I watched a little bit of Leatherwood tape and, and looking at him in Alabama, I mean, he was strong, you know, size and strength get you through college. You can dominate, but when you get to the NFL, you have to have technique. And it kind of felt like he didn't have that technique in his one year um, out there in Las Vegas. So here he comes over, and, and I think it's an aggressive move. You know, Matty Berflus wouldn't commit to a single position. To me, it sounds like they're going to try him out at guard, then try him out at tackle and kind of see what they have. But, yeah, he was the highlight. So to kind of go through it, I think it's easier for our listeners. They, they claimed off of waivers, defensive back Josh Blackwell, defensive lineman Kingsley Jonathan, offensive lineman Alex Leatherwood, defensive lineman Armand Watts, linebacker Sterling Weatherford, tight end Trevon um, Wesco, and then they made the, the five moves that you were saying in terms of waving and releasing players. They waved Caleb Johnson, Duke Shelley, Zachary Thomas, Kyrus Tonga, who to me wasn't really that big of a surprise because I don't think he really fits in well um, with this kind of defensive scheme. And then they released Joe Thomas, put Tajay Sharp on in reserve, injured reserve, and then pretty much established 14 members of their practice squad with uh, you know two more moves coming. So yeah, it was a busy day, and and you know I'm I'm kind of excited for the the six players that they claim because you look obviously Leatherwood is the big big name on there, but they also had a defensive back who's a speedy guy out of Duke and Josh Blackwell. You get a linebacker in Sterling Weatherford, who the Colts came out and said today that you know they're a little disappointed that that he was gone and he was claimed off of waivers, kind of signaling you know kind of a loss here. And obviously you know we know Matt Eberflus is familiar with the Colts. 
we know he's been there, you know, his previous stop. So kind of landing someone there. And then Armand Watts, I mean, he was going to be a starter for the Vikings until they cut him. So I think that's kind of a the big move for the Bears. But I'm intrigued by these six guys that they um, have decided to claim off of waivers. Yeah, and I think when you when you kind of look at it, I mean, kind of starting with the Alex Leatherwood thing. Now, I, you know, and I've told on myself to you know, uh, cold takes or whatever the hell, what ice cold, what whatever. I, I know you know what I mean, but and it's kind of one of those things because yesterday, you know, you're looking at it and you're looking at the guarantees that he still had remaining, and you know, didn't really look too much in the contract. And you're thinking, okay, there's no way any team's going to claim it. You know, no, basically Ian Rappaport had a thing that said basically all 31 teams had no interest in, uh, you know, no interest in, in, in trading for him. And, you know, now looking at it now that they've made the move, I mean, just to kind of give you an idea on cap hits, I mean, the rest of his, the rest of his contract, which is about $5.9 million is guaranteed over the next three years, which really isn't that bad. I mean, that's less than an average of $2 million a year is cap hits over the next three years. This year is going to be 1.3 million. Uh, 2023 is going to be 1.96 million. Um, and then in 2024, you're looking at 2.62 million. So, I mean, here's the thing, right? Um, Alex Leatherwood was absolutely awful last year. He was a first round pick, um, but he was a Raiders first round pick. And, you know, let's be honest, man. I mean, between, between Mike Mayock and, and John Gruden, they had some of the all-time worst drafts when you're looking at the first three rounds of the draft. I mean, it's just – it was absolutely insane how many first, second, and third-round picks that they had over a three-year period and how badly they messed up the, the large majority of those. Um, with that being said, I think he was a second- to third-round talent. Um, and you're kind of looking at a similar situation to a guy like Tevin Jenkins where, you know, he just – you, you have to give him a chance, right? And especially at $6 million over three years, even if it's fully guaranteed, let's just say you get through this year, you still got, you know, basically be about uh, $4.5 million left and you get through this year and you're just like, okay, this guy really is that bad. This isn't going to work. You cut bait, you eat $4.5 million and you move on. The cap space isn't going to be an issue for the Bears, right? It's just not going to be. But I think that the upside that's held here is, is that, if you can find a position that he works in and you can coach him on it, then you use the first half of this year or whatever it is and develop him and see what you can get. Because again, like he may have not been a true first round talent, but he still was a first round pick. And he was a, I would say at worst, he was a day two talent. So, I mean, the guy has more than enough to be able to be a competent starter in the league, kind of like the whole Tevin Jenkins thing. Sometimes all it takes is saying, okay, this is where you're going to play. We'll figure it out from there. I think the worst mistake that the bears can make right now is trying him out at a bunch of different positions. I think, you know, if you go and you claim a guy like that, I think you basically have to have an idea of where you want to put him. You stick him there. You let him practice with the second team. You coach him up, you develop him and you go from there. Um, So that's kind of my thoughts on the Leatherwood thing. I think, you know, now looking at the overall money, I think it's a, it's pretty much a, you know, a win-win type of situation. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I mean, we've seen, we've seen the the lack of proven talent that the bears have on the offensive line. I mean, they can basically use, you know, as many swings as they want. Plus let's just say, you know, again, that this is a very optimistic viewpoint, but let's just say, uh, you know, hypothetically he does hit and he ends up becoming, you know, the, the offensive lineman that the Raiders thought he was going to be. 
you still have that fifth year option that you can use in 2025. So, I mean, you could technically still have four years of control of the guy and you can pretty much get, you know, a pretty good amount of mileage out of, you know, out of those four years. So, yeah, I, I thought the other one uh, was Armin Watts. I think, I think that that was one of those moves where, again, you talked about Kyrus Tonga not really being a fit uh, for the Bears and a 4-3 front. I think that, that that's exactly the opposite issue that the Vikings had with transitioning from a 4-3 to a 3-4 front where he's just not a two-gap player. He's going to be more of a one-gap guy. He's going to be more of a one-gap nose tackle. He had five sacks last year. He actually had a really good year. And, you know, you got this year of, of cheap control. I think he's making like $2.1 million or whatever it is. I think that that's, again, another worthwhile claim because when you look at the Bears' defense right now, I think – you can feel pretty optimistic about the secondary. I think you can feel somewhat optimistic about the defensive ends, uh, somewhat optimistic, especially with Roquan Smith back in the mix, that linebacker, you know, safety corner, all that's good to go. But I think when you look on the interior, you got a guy in Justin Jones who you're kind of hoping is going to be that Akeem Hicks or somewhere along those lines of a, you know, a value free agent deal that you're going to end up extending him a year into that deal and you're going to be happy about it. But as far as nose tackle goes, I mean, they have they have Angelo Blackson, who's about to be 30 years old, and he's on the last year of his deal. And then after that, you really had nothing. So with a guy like Watts, he's 25 years old. I mean, he's still more than young enough, again, kind of like uh, Justin Jones, where if he hits, you can afford to extend him. You can afford to give him a, a bigger look. And if he doesn't work out, he doesn't work out. I mean, this is kind of the beauty of being in a, in a rebuilding year. And we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, kind of going through some of those other names, I think you're mainly looking at special teams and role players and kind of hoping that you know, somebody else pans out. Um, but if you do go back and you kind of look at the trends of what the Chiefs did back in 2013 when Ryan Poles was in his first year, obviously not as the general manager, but when he was in his first year with the organization and when they were kind of going through a little bit of a retool themselves, they went out and did something very similar. Um, and they had some interesting names that, that, that hit. Even if they hit for a year or two, they were able to go out and they were able to make some waiver wire claims. And those guys were able to work out. And, you know, one of the best waiver wire claims that the Indianapolis Colts have had over the last, you know, five or six years has been Kenny Moore. You know, a guy that was, I think he was undrafted. Either way, he was cut from the New England Patriots and they ended up going out and claiming him. And I mean, the Bears have seen their their fair share of waiver wire guys too over the years. So again, I, I don't think that this is one of those situations where you're like, oh man, you know, if you had them as a six win team, all of a sudden they turn into an eight or nine win team. But I think that Bears fans should feel somewhat comfortable in the fact that Ryan Poles is doing 
what he should be doing with a rebuilding team. He's he's cycling the roster. He's trying to get the right guys in. This is going to be, you know, one of many times that we're going to see roster movements over the next 17, 18 weeks of the season. And I think that that should make Bears fans happy knowing that he's trying to basically get as much out of the catch-up model as possible before they start trying to reload again next year. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, we're seeing how he wants to build his roster and how he wants to do it for the long haul. I mean, we know that this is not a team that's expected to come out and contend right away for a playoff spot or Super Bowl or still years away, you know, from that and kind of making these moves and, and taking some low risk um, options here isn't a bad thing. And I think, you know, there's nothing with claiming nothing wrong. I'm sorry with claiming these six guys and, and trying to take a chance on them. And, and, you know, the roster is obviously going to change here in, in the coming weeks as well. They're going to get some guys healthy that might look out to see if they can find a wide receiver. But overall, I look at this roster and it's, it's, it's what I think, you know, it's, it's what I thought it would be. I mean, they're, they're building it with a, a good amount of veterans with experience. They're building it with a good amount of young talent, you know, guys like Justin Fields, Darnell Mooney, um, and, and then a bunch of guys who I think are kind of improve it years as well. Can they earn long-term contracts, things like that. So I, I totally have no problem with how Ryan Poles is building his roster and what his vision is for the future and, and how he wants to build it because there's going to be a lot of turnover. I mean, you know, like I said, 22 players from the previous regime only now that are here. And it's only been a couple months for Ryan Poles. That number is probably going to drop when we get into next year as well. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem with taking these chances and, and bringing in a guy like Leatherwood, especially the contracts cheap. And, you know, I still have to do a little homework on these other guys. Um, I, I just did a little browsing after they got him. It was kind of a hectic day, as I mentioned at Hallis Hall, but you know, now it's go time, Aaron. And, and now it's, we're what about 10 days away from the regular season. Now is the hard part. You cut down the roster, you got your guys. Now is the hard part. You got to go out and win some games with this roster and, I think you'd agree with me. You know, I think Saturday night showed some promise for the bears and it was, it was much needed. And um, I, I think that's kind of a good way to segue into talking about that. And before we do that though, we should talk about our friends over at odds trader, your betting resource for the upcoming season. College football starts on Thursday. We have NFL coming up next weekend. NBA will be starting NHL will be starting MLB playoffs. will be going into full swing. And you want to make sure you have Odds Trader. Odds Trader is a place to compare all odds from all major sports books. You can even check out the different signup codes, the different promotions. It gets you the best deal when you want to deposit and bet on sports. The app provides player statistics, injury reports, key stats, game day weather. And the best part about it is for me is tracking your bets. This weekend can be a big weekend for betting as week one of the, the college football season. So you're going to replace where you can track all your bets. Maybe you're a little old school. You want to do a piece of paper like I do. Switch over to the odds trader and check it out. They totally keep track of all your bets for you. So you don't have to be scrambling through papers, seeing what you lost, how much you won. They do it all for you. Go to oddstrader.com slash blue wire. Odds trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. And Aaron, the thing that's noticed on Saturday, as the Bears completed the preseason 3-0, they finally showed on offense that they can move the football. They designed rollouts, the play action, everything about it, putting Justin Fields in a great position. I love it all. I loved what I saw. I'm not saying it's going to translate well and they're going to win, you know, 10, 10 to 12 games, 
but at least they show that they can do it. Yeah, I, well, and I think, again, I, there were – it's just the preseason, right? You know, and ultimately, and I, I said this a while ago, and I'll say it again, you know, everybody overreacts to the beginning of training camp until the preseason rolls around and everybody forgets about anything that happened in the training camp practices. Then everybody overreacts to the preseason – and as soon as the regular season starts, everybody forgets what happens in the preseason. So, but with that being said, I think that there were some common trends that you have to like as a Bears fan, right? I, I think the main one that stood out to me was just how much more disciplined they were. Uh, I, I think that's something that a lot of Bears fans are probably craving at this point in time. Cause let's be honest, man. I mean, those last few years under Matt Nagy were just flat out awful. I mean, they got, they got rid of a lot of the culprits that were making dumb decisions after dumb decisions, Anthony Miller, Javon Wims, Mario Edwards, Jr. Uh, you know, so I, I think that that, that part was really good. I mean, they were one of the least penalized teams uh, in the preseason, which, which was a great sign considering, I mean, if you looked at, especially that Seattle game, man, that was, it was just crazy to see the amount of penalties that were going on on the other side of the ball. Uh, so I think that that's one nice trend. I think the second nice trend is the fact that the hits philosophy showed. And I know that myself included when Matt Eberflus took took the mic in the opening press conference it's like all right man I guess we're gonna see what happens you know it's like we've we've kind of seen coaches like that we've heard the you know the 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 cliche acronyms and all that stuff and quite frankly uh you know watching this team play both offensively and defensively and on special teams uh, the his philosophy has been, you know, true to form so far. I think we also kind of saw it when Justin Fields took that hit in the Browns game and how everybody kind of rallied to him and the amount of times that players were rallying to uh, ball carriers that would, you know, basically get the ball, get tackled, and you'd have guys over there picking them up, which was great. Um, that was something that Ryan Poles talked about. I think the last thing that I thought was really interesting was – just how good the special teams unit was as a whole, right? I'm mainly talking like coverage and stuff like that. One, there was a very small amount of penalties, which I think is huge. That was the one thing, um, you know, during during some of these other uh, eras that we've seen where it just hasn't been very good. But I think mainly the coverage units and even really Trenton Gill, I thought Trenton Gill looked really good. Um, but the coverage units as a whole, man, there were not very many missed tackles. They were getting to, you know, the returner quick and, relatively easy and making the play and overall i just i i thought things looked really good so again you know obviously these are trends in the preseason we'll have to see if they transfer over but i think at least from a granular perspective and kind of looking at this with the zoomed out lens and you know, and just kind of making generalizations on the team i i do think that this team I, again i still think this is going to be a five or six one team that's fine uh but i do think that this is going to be a a team that is going to be a lot easier to watch. And I think they're going to be a lot more fun to watch. And again, I, I've made the comparison a few times, but you know, if they have a season like the lions and they'll probably end up having a few more wins. Uh, but if they have a season like the lions where they're in most every game, and obviously there's going to be some heartbreaking losses, but if they're a more exciting and, and fun team to watch, I, I, I think that that is part of what you can ask for in a season like this. I mean, am I wrong for thinking that? No, not not at all. I think, you know, as long as there are storylines, as long as there are bright spots and, and things to watch in terms of, you know, the future of this franchise, I don't think you're wrong at all. And, you know, there was a lot of good on Saturday. I mean, even through the preseason, I mean, um, you mentioned Trenton Gill was good. 
The special teams have been relatively good aside from a couple mistakes. But the Bears as a team aren't really making a whole lot of penalties and they're not playing, you know, poor football and undisciplined football, which is what we saw with Matt Nagy and, and his crew. I mean, how many times did we see the Bears make a dumb mistake over the past four years and you're thinking to yourself, okay, they just did it again. Oh, that's going to hurt them, and, you know, et cetera, stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, this is kind of a team where you look at it, I think we're going to be shocked at how disciplined they play and how coachable they are going to be and the, and the coaching difference. I think we'll be, turn around and look back and say, okay, you know, maybe coaching or the discipline on this team won them a couple games at least this year. No, I, I agree 100%. I, I really do think that, Again, man, it's it's and they've talked about it extensively. It's about building that foundation, right? That that's why you go out and you make these moves on the wave wire. That's why you go out and you sign a bunch of one year low risk type deals because you know you're not going to figure it out all in year one, right? I mean, really, the biggest quickest fix that they can have for this team is Justin Fields being a stud quarterback and being you know a top five or top ten guy because I think you know obviously the outlook of the team and everything around the team drastically changes. But even with that being said, you still have to have the rest of the roster in a good spot. And we've seen teams turn things around quickly. I know everybody wants to make comparisons to, you know, the Bengals without really understanding that the Bengals had multiple years of being absolutely awful. And they had multiple years of having high round picks or, you know, high, well, more the point they've had, they had multiple high round picks, but they also had high picks in those high rounds. Right. So it just takes time. But I think I, I think the big thing, at least for me, especially in watching this last game, that again, it's just a preseason, but it's it, it's something to hang your hat on moving into the regular season, which is just how good Justin Fields looked. And, you know, we kind of, you know, we, we have a group that we kind of talks amongst ourselves and kind of bounce stuff off. And I know, you know, some of the people in our group were kind of uh you know a little bit more cautious and 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 reacting to Justin Fields' performance. But, and I've said it and I'll say it again, I truly believe from, you know, just an overall performance aspect, I think that that was the best that Justin Fields has looked being professional, you know, in the NFL over his, you know, basically his, his year plus so far, right? Obviously we're not even in the regular season. And I know a lot of people point to that Steelers game as kind of that game, but I think a lot of people forget like the bears were absolutely awful until about the you know very end of the third quarter and then obviously you know they came back and they almost won the game but I think even within that there was an argument to be made that they went down and scored way the hell too quickly especially when they were only up a score and a you know a field goal would would beat them or whatever you know so it's kind of one of those situations where you know you look at that obviously it's a regular season game but that wasn't a very complete performance and then you look at what Justin Fields was able to do on Saturday night, and man, especially after that first drive, that first drive, you're sitting there, and I, I don't know how you felt. I, I was kind of watching bits and pieces, and I was able to go back and watch all of it later on. But it's like that first drive happens. It's like those two negative runs. The offensive line is getting blown up. You know, uh, Miles Garrett and Davion Clowney aren't even out there, and you're thinking, okay, here we go again. And then all of a sudden, that second drive happens, and Fields was locked in. And it wasn't just, and that's the thing, it wasn't just his numbers. It wasn't just the fact that he had – three touchdown passes. It wasn't just any one thing. It was the fact that he was a lot more calm and composed in the pocket. Again, we, we talk about moving the pocket all the time. We talk about him rolling out and getting him out of the pocket, and that's well and fine, but you can't live 
100% as a quarterback like that. He's still going to have to stand in the pocket. He's still going to have to make throws. He's still going to have to have the blocking in front of him in order for him to be successful. And I think that the combination of what we were able to see from him between, you know, his, his maturation as, you know, a second year quarterback being more calm in the pocket and not bailing out of the pocket. I think his overall footwork, his overall, uh, you know, his, his mechanics from his throwing motion and everything like that were, were much improved his anticipation, which has been something that I think is really lacked with Justin Fields, uh, you know, basically up until this point, I think his anticipation was much greater. I think he was finally trusting what the offense was doing, uh, where the ball was supposed to be going, where receivers were supposed to be going, uh, you know, and then I also just think as a whole, I, I just, it just feels like, you know, all those passes that he was, he was making, it wasn't, it wasn't like we saw last year where you'd have a deep ball down the field and a receiver would have to go out and make this great play. Like he was placing the ball exactly where he wanted to. He had good velocity. There was just, it was just a, a combined amount of factors where it felt like a very complete performance. Now we saw even with Trubisky, we, we saw those games where he would play bad defenses, you know, the Tampa Bay game, the, the Detroit game, stuff like that, where he would have those moments and that was well and fine, but I don't know that Trubisky ever really had that complete performance. I don't think fields had that complete performance last year. And again, there's still a long way to go. Obviously I, I still think he has some stuff to overcome, but I think that that performance helped from a confidence standpoint for the team. Uh, it also, I think, confirmed at least, you know, because that's kind of the thing I know a lot of people are saying, well, they were missing some starters. Denzel Ward wasn't playing either. And it's like, okay, but the Bears still did what they were supposed to do. I mean, if you flip the script and the Bears go out and have, you know, three, four, five, three and out drives, everything looks terrible. I feel like people would be have no issue reacting negatively to those results and saying, well, you know, they weren't playing, you know, whatever it, you get the point. But so again, I understand the cautious optimism and I'm not saying like this, this just makes it to where Justin Fields is going to be great. Anything like that. But what I'm saying is, is I think that that was an excellent stepping stone moving into the regular season. And I also think that it was a glimpse into what Justin Fields can be able to do. The fact that he is capable of doing the fact that he is capable of piecing everything that he was able to do this off season together. The fact that he does understand this offense, that he can trust the offense, the plays, the route running, uh, the design of the, of the plays to know that his guys are going to be in the right position. And I think, I don't know. I just, again, I, you don't want to overreact too much, but at the same time, I, I feel like there is more than enough value to put in the performance like that, especially moving into week one where they're going to be facing some tough defenses in the very beginning. Um, and maybe, maybe this type of performance helps get them over the hump to where maybe they're not going to score 30 points a game and fields isn't going to have, you know, three touchdowns in the first half. But I, I do think that this could be a very nice building block moving into the season. And at, at worst, I think it at least shows that he is capable of doing everything that we expected when he was drafted out of Ohio State. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And I think, you know, one thing to note here, I think it was valuable because when Matt Eberflus came out and said, we're going to play the starters at least the first half, you know, naturally there was the crowd that thought, well, you know, he could they could get hurt, you know, things like that. But they needed it, man, because like up until that game, like the offense really struggled. They had what four total drives in the preseason. They weren't looking good in training camp. They needed those, you know, they needed those um, excuse me, those those reps. And I'm glad they got them because now I feel a lot more confident going into this season. I, I like I said, I don't think it's going to change much in terms of my prediction, but they showed me what they could do. And you're right. I mean, you know, there were times where um, Mitch Trubisky did show like, okay, he's got some potential and, you know, but he just couldn't put it all together. I mean, I look at the Washington game right away in the first, excuse me, first half for Trubisky he looked good. And then he kind of faded away and, 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 you know, kind of didn't make the plays he needed to. So, yeah, it's good to see Justin Fields show that, um, especially with the state of this wide receiver core and the weapons that the Bears do have. And, in, and it's encouraging. It's encouraging that they're moving him out with rollouts. It's encouraging that they have designed plays for him. And, you know, he was hitting his targets and guys were open and he wasn't making mistakes. It kind of just felt like the game came more free to him and more natural to him. It's kind of something that, you know, I know I think you're going to agree with me. All of us have wanted to see from him on a consistent basis. Now you have to take it over to the regular season. I mean, that's a whole new animal. You have a tough defense right away, as you mentioned in week one with um, San Francisco. But on the flip side, I mean, I don't think that's a game that's I'm going to mark down as a loss right away for the Bears because I mean, San Francisco's having their own quarterback issues out there. So, you know, it does show some promise and, and some encouragement going into, into week one here in about 10 days. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, again, you know, everything's got to be taken with the, the proper grain of salt and with with the proper context. And, and we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, we could be looking back at the end of the season and say, man, we really got hyped up for nothing. Or we could look back and we can say this this was the beginning of – and, again, I don't think – and I guess it should be clear. I don't think under any circumstance Justin Fields is going to go out there and have – a year or two like a Patrick Mahomes did or a Joe Burrow or anything like that. I mean, is it possible? Sure. I, I don't think it's going to happen and they don't need it to. I, I, I think when you look at what Mahomes, what, what, uh, you know, Burrow and all those guys in the, you know, big second years had, they had a lot more around them. It, it was either, you know, having the offensive line and having the weapons or at least having one or the other, obviously with, with uh, the Bengals last year, it was having, you know, Jamar Chase have a historic rookie season. Um, it was having the amount of weapons that they had at their disposal basically at all times where they were just able to go out and just flat out outscore teams and then obviously had a really good run in the playoffs. Now, I don't obviously expect any of that to happen, but I think that, again, you know, kind of moving into the season and the, the nice thing is, is this is the last time that we get to talk about moving into the season because when we do this podcast next week we're going to be talking about week one and we're going to be you know and then from there on out we're going to be talking about actual happenings going on in the regular season but i i think 
you know, the, the big thing moving into this year and coming out of this year, when we're talking about this team, uh, you know, in the beginning of January after week 18, I think the big goals is going to be having some clarity on this roster. And obviously, you know, some of the guys that we talked about the matting today, some of the guys that they added during the regular season, some of the guys that they currently have on their team, you know, they, they need to build a foundation and they need to have some standout players from that. They need that, you know, this draft class need to deliver um, basically nine out of the 11 guys that they drafted will be on the week one roster, at least as of right now, as we're recording this. And I would, I would fully expect that, uh, Zach Thomas will probably end up on the practice squad. I think that feels like a safe assumption considering, you know, up until today he was on the 53-man roster. But again, I think the big thing for this team is going to be finding out one way or another who Justin Fields is. Is he going to be the guy? Is he not? I think the absolute worst-case scenario coming out of this year is still not knowing without a shadow of a doubt if he's the guy or if he's not. And I know that that's, that's kind of a rash thing to say, but you're you're looking at a situation where if Fields is the guy, you're gonna have you're still gonna have probably a top ten pick, even if he ends up having an you know an outstanding year. But on the flip side, if he doesn't have that outstanding year, you're probably gonna end up having a top three pick in a quarterback class that looks like it's going to be pretty good. So it's a situation where the Bears, you know, and kind of look at the Lions for example, right? The Lions have been bad, um, but they've kind of built their team you know, around what they, you know, eventually expect to have a quarterback. They're in a tough position this year because I do think they're going to be improved. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but it wouldn't shock me to see them win six or seven games. Now, six and seven, you know, six or seven wins uh, with as many bad teams as there are in this league right now is not going to get you a top five pick, right? I I just don't think that's going to happen. And I think that's going to put a team like the Lions in a weird position because, they've spent all this time building their trenches on both sides of the ball and going out and really kind of, you know, rebuilding the entire roster, a lot like the bears are doing. I think the bears do have more pieces than what the lions did. And I think the bears are, you know, a better run organization as a whole. Um, But, you know, the, the lions could be in a position where they could be just good enough to put themselves out of position for a quarterback or put themselves in a position where they're going to have to trade, a ton of draft capital over the next few years in order to get that to happen. And that's a situation that I don't want the bears to be in because I I think obviously we all hope Justin Fields works out. I still think he's going to, I think we both do, but if, if, you know, by the off chance that he does not work out, you would like to know that this year, because I think especially with the quality of the quarterback class and how high they will likely be drafting if Justin Fields isn't the guy, or if there's any question whatsoever, this is the year to simply say, you know, that th- this next year will simply be the year to say, okay, you can build around the quarterback more. That needs to happen regardless of who the quarterback is. But if, if Fields isn't that guy, then you have the ability to go out and draft that quarterback and really, you know, kind of hit, in a sense, kind of hit another reset on the rebuild, but then also have more pieces than you had around this year. So, again, I, I think it's going to be an interesting year on multiple fronts. I think we're going to learn a lot about, you know, at least somewhat of the core of the roster. I, I do think that the Bears have some talent. Um, I, I I don't agree. Again, I, I've never I've never been overly high on this team. I've always you know tempered expectations, but I also I don't know, man. Like again, it's just a preseason, but it, there's just no way that you can can personally. There's no way that you can convince me that the Bears are going to be worse than a team like the Falcons, or that the Bears are going to be worse than a team like the the Seahawks. Man, there's some really really bad football teams out there. And I know that people are a little more high on the, the Jets this year and they're a little bit more high on Jacksonville. 
I I don't know, man. I I still think realistically, I don't think the Bears are going to be picking the top five. I don't think they're going to win very many games, but I don't think they're anywhere near the worst team in the league. Like some, you know, some of these guys are talking about the Texans are kind of in that same boat too. So again, we'll, we'll get to find out. Um, we'll, we'll get to see, we'll get to compare Justin Fields against some of these quarterbacks. I mean, really the only first round quarterback uh, that he doesn't see really the top six quarterback from the last draft class that he's not going to see is going to be Trevor Lawrence and, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, he he's going to get to see Zach Wilson. He's going to get to see Trey Lance week one. He's going to get to see Davis Mills. Uh, he's going to get to see Mac Jones. Like, we're going to get a very, very good idea of exactly who he is as a quarterback and where he stacks up in this class because year two is usually when they make that jump. So, I, I don't know. I'm still I'm, – I'm excited for the season, uh, probably for different reasons than normal. Uh, but I still think this is going to be an interesting season. I think it's going to be an exciting one. I think that there is going to be plenty to watch on a weekly basis. And I don't think we're going to be sitting here in week 14 or 15 just hoping this, you know, just wishing this thing was going to end. I think that there's going to be multiple players and storylines to watch over the course of the season. And I think that that's something that even in a rebuild year, even if they aren't overly competitive uh, and they only do win five or six games, I think that's something that we can still be thankful for and we can still be able to enjoy um, over the next four or five months. Yeah, you know, I'm with you. And I think a lot of that negativity comes from the national media and, you know, ESPN talking heads and and, and things like that. Like, I, again, I don't think the Bears are going to be the, you know, best team in the league by any means. I don't think they're going to compete for a playoff spot, but I, they're not going to be the worst team in the league. I'd be absolutely shocked if they're the worst team in the league. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a team that's that's their defense is good enough to keep them in games. They're going to win some games they shouldn't. They're probably going to lose some games they shouldn't. Um, excuse me, but you know they're not going to be the worst team in, in the league. And I think there's a lot of um, you know storylines to watch and a lot of things to keep an eye on, as you mentioned. You know, from you know in terms of draft position or you know guys taking that next step led by Justin Fields or, or guys fighting for more contracts can they um you know find a way to stay on the team so it's going to be an interesting season i think it's going to be an exciting season and, and i think anytime you get into a rebuild and you want to accelerate that rebuild you know it, it's exciting and it's going to happen early and i feel like we're going to be in for you know maybe they're going to lose some games that are going to disappoint us but overall it should be an exciting season full of, of storylines and things to watch. Um, Aaron, that's all I have for this episode. As you said, we get into the full swing of things next week. Bears will be prepping for the San Francisco 49ers in week one. We'll have you covered with our game preview, you know, what to watch for, all of that. Um, Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yep, you can uh, find me at Aaron Lemming NFL on Twitter, and you can read my work at thebearreport.com. And I think we'd also be remiss to uh, not close this podcast out without at least mentioning that Mitchell Trubisky will be the week one starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow. So, yeah. But did it just break over the. Uh, no, but I mean, I, I thought Tomlin had already basically come out and said that that was going to be the case. I don't think there's been any official, official announcement, but I, I, I think that's, that's the way things are trending right now. So I, that, Hey, I mean, good for him. I hope things work out for him, but I think that that's, that'll at least be something else fun to, you know, monitor over the next few weeks. But, uh, yeah, either way, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to actually being able to talk about game day, a real game day, a real meaningful game day next week. So, um, can't wait. Yeah, no, for sure. Make sure that you check back with the Bear Report. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Just Bear Report. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. 
Please rate, review, subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. Check out our YouTube channel. Helps us and the Picks for Polls podcast. And like I said, we'll be back next week to kind of break everything down, preview everything for week one as the Bears get ready to take on the San Francisco 49ers. Until then, everyone, please stay safe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.